Well, well, hey, well, cheers. Cheers, bud. Clink. Clink. Uh, welcome to Sippin' Mimos. I'm Elliot. And I'm Jake. We're going on, we're, we're, it's like been over a year of us doing this. <laughs> I know, we should really have it like, yeah. this is a podcast where uh, Jake and I list, uh, compare and contrast 90s uh, radio rock and electronic albums while sipping beverages, often mimosas. Jake, what do you got today as a beverage? Tonight, tonight I am drinking a, although I, I do miss my mimosas, uh, I'm sipping a mango strawberry, tropical mango strawberry soda and vodka. Tropical mango. Wow, that sounds lovely. It's very tasty. I've got a Fire Eagle from Hot. Austin Beer Works. That's one of my favorite beers here in, here in Austin. Yeah. Have you ever gone to their, their brewery? I have not. I would really love to. We should I want like a, try a Fire Eagle fresh off the, uh, the, the line or whatever. That'd be amazing. With the, when it's made with the fresh eagle. <laughs> yeah, they put fresh eagles into it. And it's grind them up. You can hear their screams. It just makes it taste better. You know, like, really, <laughs> really taste that eagle. <laughs> in the fire. Uh, I think we're both in, like, weirdly exhausted, giddy moods today. It's going to be a fun recording. <laughs> yeah, man. I So I took all my, I took all my library books back, and they were... It was like two recyclable bags filled just about to the top of these heavy books. And um, I, I, I was at on campus in San Marcos at Texas State. And it's just beautiful campus. But man, there's a lot of hills and a lot mm. of steps to get up those hills. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you're so sometimes you're so tired, you get to the top of the steps and your knees are shaking. You just have to stop and be like, oh, my God. Oh, we're wearing a mask, too, which. Normally I'm fine, but it was kind of really humid today. And yeah, I, sure. So this uh, the cold drink and conversation is very much welcome right now. So I'm very excited. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, and like you famously drive to your mailbox, so delivering <laughs> re- returning two bags of books might be <laughs> every time. Every time I literally drive to my mailbox, like I'm like oh, Elliot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've gained 30 pounds in, in the last two years of just, you know, sitting around too much and like losing my mind. Uh, like I, I don't, I, I'm supposed to be taking walks. I don't do that. I don't know. Do, I don't do shit. So uh, don't, 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 don't get too <laughs> embarrassed. Or whatever. What's been new though. You've been watching, watching, listening to anything new. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say though, like listening to our old episodes, which, if you haven't subscribed, uh, Sip yeah. Mimos Pod on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. Um, uh, follow and rate. Uh, follow and rate us there if you like. Um, follow and rate us. That's like that's like one of our running. I, I've noticed that's like a running through line. Like, what have you been watching? What you've been watching lately? What you've been listening to lately? Which I really yeah. like. I, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, because we we're, we're uh, I think we're fans of the cinema and media and all that. Um, I, I enjoy a picture every now and then. I like a good picture. Um, I saw one cut of the dead. One cut. Have, of you, the dead. have you heard of this? No. 
Um, it's an awesome, it's an amazing, amazing. Um, uh, I believe it's Japanese uh, zombie flick. It, very low budget. Um, and, and like, I would share a teaser, um, but everyone and I agree is saying just go in as cold as possible. Don't know anything about the movie before you go in because there's all these twists and turns. And like, it turns into a very different thing at a certain point. And uh, it's, but it's like gloriously um, uh, shot, you know, with very long shots. And it's like a ballet and it's um, hilarious. So one cut of the dead, Jake and the listeners, please check it out. Where's it? Where can we find it? Um, I know you can snag it on Amazon for a couple bucks. And I think it's on Shudder. If you've got that app on your uh, Roku or whatever. It's like the horror app or whatever. Yeah. I, I've been like, I've been so tempted to get Shudder since like they announced it. Because it seems like it's something you'd be like right up my alley. You know, like like a, an app dedicated to like scary movies. Um, yeah. And then they have like bonkers selection, like r- weird stuff you would never find. And, and like they, I think they kind of imported this one and, and like, uh, per, you know, uh, produced it, meaning like released it in the States, I guess. I should say. Oh, sweet. One, yeah, cut it's one cut of the dead. Just check it out. Awesome. Um, yeah. How about yourself? Well, we talked about it last time. Um, but did you to watch that Mortal Kombat? I did watch Mortal Kombat. Yes. Okay. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> I just, I just rubbed my hands no. the other way. Let's. Get I think to- everyone can hear it. That's your little ASMR thing. We can all hear Jake rubbing his hands together. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk about Mortal Kombat now. I hope Elliot liked Sub Zero. Um, uh, Mortal Kombat was fun. It's like a like structurally, it's like a weird movie because it it structurally, it's uh, story wise, it's like a kid's movie but there's horrific violence in it yeah. um <laughs> like, like it's you know it's very well animated uh you know finishing moves from mortal Kombat and stuff and it's you know there's intestines and like heads getting split in half and all that um dude with the hat stole the show he shows up and i forget his name kung wow well, i don't know did they get, did they get it oh, i think I that's know. it are you serious holy shit I, okay. I, he he can, i think he's from like the s- Mortal Kombat 2 or maybe even yeah. 3. Yeah, um, I think you're right. So I wasn't 100% on like his uh character's origin or story. Cuz I, yeah. I know there's like some detailed backstory for like the whole like MKU. Oh, I'm MKU. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, you know, Mortal Kombat wiki that's like pages and pages cuz all these characters have bonkers backstories and stuff like that. Like they're all Star Wars action figures, right? Yeah. Like but uh, you know, but you know, it's all about come on, it's all about Scorpion and Sub-Zero, and they kind of made that the whole plot. But then we have our, I guess it's a new guy, a new character who's our protagonist into the world. Yeah, I I didn't. He's like the MMA, the failed MMA fighter who's, spoiler alert, spoiler for Mortal Kombat, um, a, a relative of Scorpion, which which when when that started, I, I didn't realize that that took place hundreds of years prior to like, the current timeline i thought that was like like now and right okay so i can they, see that being happening. when that like when they found like a child i was like wait wait but but that, is it, didn't they say it was a daughter but then where, where's the daughter now oh wait that was obviously this main character's 
grandmother or something or some, something along those lines. I was very lost, but. Well, it's a, it's a tricky, uh, you know, story structure unless you have a big title card that says like hundreds of years later. Like, yeah. because like, well, they'll know it's in the certain period, the viewers, because all our characters will be in certain, you know, uh, clothing and stuff. But everyone wears bonkers samurai suits the whole movie. So no one knows. You don't yeah. know when it's taking place necessarily until you like see a television or whatever the hell. I, I, so there were some things I, I really liked about it. And I'm just checking. Um, before I don't, I don't want to get his name wrong. The actor who played, so uh, Chin Han, the guy that played uh, Shang Tsung. Yeah. Did you recognize him? Is he from Ichi the Killer? I know him from uh, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. He's no. The, no. Wait, yeah, really? The, uh, let me see. The Squealer? Yeah. The, the, I know the, Squealer. Uh, that um, that Bruce Lau. Wayne gets out of Lao with a sky hook. We used to have a system called sky hook back in the day. Yeah. Getting folks out of tricky situations. Um, that's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, normally, cool. I like to normally I like to like just do it like from face facial recognition, but I could not place him. I'm like, what is he from? And I couldn't do it because he's got like. Uh-huh. He's got he's got the wig on and the cape and it, his eyes are glowing the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I had to cheat, and it's it's totally loud from Dark Knight. How about that? Um, the dude that plays Scorpion, or I guess whatever Scorpion's uh, great, great whatever the guy the guy from the beginning and that shows up later in the end spoilers is is in a he's in a bunch of stuff. I think he was in Lost. Uh, he was in like a, I don't know. He's like a dope Japanese actor. I recognized him from. Uh, did you ever see the Wolverine, the second movie in the Wolverine trilogy? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, I, uh, I don't think I ever finished that movie. I honestly didn't. Dude, I was actually that's like, uh, I put that one like, like top five like Marvel, you know, MCU and MCU adjacent movies. I, uh, I don't know why I like really connected with that movie. <laughs> um I, at a certain point i just gave up on that x universe or whatever i'm like just i'm okay i'm done until it gets into the mcu and like uh wasn't that the movie like where they deleted a scene that where wolverine gets his actual comic style costume in a suitcase and he, he's like Ugh, that looks stupid and like <laughs> and like throws it out and they, but they that. well they cut the scene out of the movie but he's like on the plane to japan or whatever the hell he's going and like someone hands him a case like you might need this you know like and he opens it up and it's it's the cool, you know, the winged visor thingy that he wears or the, the towel, I should say. Yeah. And like in the gloves and all that with the cool metal, uh, you know, openings for the claws. And he never puts it on. What do you think he, about? He played Wolverine for like nine movies and never once puts the costume on. Well, when you look like Hugh Jackman, why are you going to cover that face up? Well, I know it's, it's the Chris Evans effect. Like there's, like, there's a scene in Avengers that's like really clunky where I was like, oh no, this alien's got me in a headlock. Oh, he's taking my mask off so everyone can see how handsome I am. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> like, because you know, like some studio executive's like, get that goddamn thing off Chris Evans' beautiful face. We need to see. Same thing with like, I don't know. I would, I wouldn't mind seeing because Hawkeye famously had like a funky wolverine-esque like pink purple mask 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just just for yucks, I'd like to see Jeremy Renner rock that thing. Um, have you seen any like, shots from the production of Hawkeye? I, I just know um, the actress or uh, the actor from, gosh, I'm just forgetting everyone's name today. Haley Steinfeld. Haley uh, Steinfeld, yeah. She's she was in um, his daughter? Um, I don't think she's, because it already, her, his kids were already in, uh, um, uh, well, they were in um, Endgame at the beginning, right? When they had the yeah. picnic and they all get uh, dusted. Um, I think it's just like his apprentice or whatever. She like falls into the world and all that. Um, but a uh, big fan of her, man. She was great in, um, what's the uh, Coen Brothers Western? Uh, True Grit. True Grit. She's awesome in that. And that was like her big breakout. She's like 11 or some shit. I've heard she's awesome in Bumblebee. She's great in Bumblebee. I still need to watch that. I'll check that out. Uh, she's, uh, she's really, she actually sings very well in, uh, in, um, uh, those pitch perfect, pitch the pitch perfect movies. She's not in the first one, is she? Because I've only seen that. She's in the second one. Okay. Well, she's like a pop star these days, right? Isn't does she have like? Second? Yeah, I think she does. She does music and and acting. I think she's. I think she's rad. Yeah, she she's the just absolutely killer. And um, I totally forgot. Freaking Josh Brolin was in True Grit. Yeah, and um, Matt Damon. With like the yeah, it's like a bruised lip or the whole music. Like, oh, blah, 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 blah. and uh, oh shoot, and, uh, Jebed- Jedediah Stain, Jedediah Stain, yes, um, fucking Jeff Bridges. <laughs> when he shoots the biscuits out of this guy, yeah, I haven't seen that in a while, man. Damn, I have, I have that, I have like that on Blu-ray. I need to revisit that one. I just yeah. remember, I just remember like Jeff Bridges having to like like euthanize his horse because he ran he ran with it all night long and just being super sad about that oh i remember that yeah that's upset horse, like runs himself like ragged and she's oh, like he just re- well he isn't like trying to get the girl back whatever yeah because like, she got runs it yeah he runs the horse until it dies jeez louise very like, i remember seeing that and being like mm, no you know and well, well well horses in trouble is very upsetting like i mean i'm forever triggered by uh, our text from Nevering Story, drowning in the swamps of sadness. That is such a formative scene for me as a as as a person. Like when I was a kid, that was my favorite movie ever. And that horse scene is so upsetting because they put a horse in some mud, and it does not look like it's comfortable. And it's like, arr, arr, get me out of here! It's so upsetting. Oh. I, uh, I've been trying to convince um, my girlfriend t- uh, that someday. Like maybe I, I I can get a horse, and she's just like, "You want a horse? Do you know how to ride a horse?" And I'm just like, "No, but it can." We'll it can figure be- it out, hon. God damn it! <laughs> it can be Let my me com- be me. It can be my companion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I would. They're just so majestic, you know. And I don't know. Uh, you could you could ride it to work when you're a professor and stuff. Oh man. Can, Can you imagine, imagine that just like riding day, into the classroom? Day one, bam, doors break open. You ride a horse into the yeah, click clock, click click clock. <laughs> Tonight's homework assignment is have fun. And then just do like a like a, on the high heels and then tip my hat off and then ride off into the sunset. And you're um, like, you remember this day forever. Everyone in the room. <laughs> uh, I, I will say. 
back back to back to Morikawa. I will say that like I, I thought sure. I, I it wasn't my fave. This the the good stuff was super duper good. Like um like the hat death and the the flying villain it just gets you know sliced Oof. up like a, no one's business. Um so I the, the deaths were like really really good. Uh I was missing this missing the song the the theme song. Wait, was it was it during the end credits at least? It was it it was like a like a remixed version or like a, a new version of it. Yeah, I saw you know on my silly electronic music feed like people were like the new Mortal Kombat track is out. It's you know for the new movie and it's the best thing ever. And I listened to it. I'm like, oh no, they just they just made it sound like everything else. Ahem, asterisk <laughs> for to refer to later in this session. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> um, so Mortal Kombat is about a tournament, right? Yeah, it, and it's so interesting because like it's about a tournament. But like neither of the movies really like go into that tournament. <laughs> In the new movie, they don't go to the tournament. They don't, which is there's no tournament. There's no Mortal Kombat in Mortal Kombat. Like in the old movie, you had like you had the villain trying to like like stack the cards against Earth, and they were at the tournament. Um. But then you but had one, him like trying to cheat and challenge like Sonya Blade and but Luke Kang challenged him. So at least they were at the tournament. But this one, like they were just like, you know, we have to win this tournament. And then they just never get there, which I thought yeah, was they're like, but it's like we have to avoid this tournament at all costs. I'm like, wait, you mean like the third act of a movie? Like, what are you talking about? Like, when they it, don't get there. When it got when I looked at the, the how much time was left and I saw there was like 20 minutes and i was just like oh my god oh my god they're not at the tournament like this is a prequel like and it, it is i don't know it reeks of like like oh is this this is gonna be such a franchise and the big reveal at the end like i'm going to hollywood to find johnny cage or whatever like who gives a shit is he anyone's favorite character <laughs> i think he's like, just one of those like iconic video game characters like is he like a like a ryu uh Ryu uh-huh. and uh, from I Ken. Ken. Ken and Ryu from Street Fighter. Uh, and then like uh, Guile from Street Fighter 2. Um, Mario and Luigi. Sonic. The Long Bar from Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was, that was always my favorite one. I was, nope. counting on those, I was counting on those bars to show up, man. <laughs> that was my whole strategy. Ah, uh, Tetris. God. How is that like the most satisfying game to play in the world? It just because you're able to like just like compartmentalize like all these different blocks Mm -hmm. and it it took on different levels, you know? Yeah, it feels so good to make these lines go away. (laughs) Everything in its right place. Everything in its right place. Yeah, you're you're doing it. You're just like take that automobile, you know, or like or or at all. Take I meant to say like auto bill or like but it came out take that, that automobile. Uh, so what's auto bill? What's like auto bill? You, like car payment? I guess I should have said uh, car payment. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. Did it, I didn't pay my auto bill. Oh god. <laughs> auto bill. That sounds very like German of you. I have to pay the auto bill. 
<laughs> I I don't know. I um, did, you, did you know that Radiohead's "Everything in Its Right Place" is a song about Tetris? Really? That's true. It's I, not true at all. I made that up. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I was getting I was getting ready to believe the hell out of you. That's <laughs> because you're too trusting, Jake. The world's out to get you. Damn it! You should you should find out. <laughs> Look alive. Have you seen anything else lately besides Mortal Kombat? Any th- oh, closing thoughts on Mortal Kombat. Um, Gora was in it for eight minutes. I'm sure some fans got pissed. Man. And he's well, slaughtered and his guts flop. Like, super menacing. I mean, Gora's super scary. I mean, just like, oh, man. Um, but yeah, like, not in it enough. Uh, there are a lot. Because I feel like, you know, I played that first Mortal Kombat. I had, like, the second on my Game Boy. I mean, the first game was amazing. It was like a phenomenal. Right? It was huge. That was all we talked about like, when I was a kid. You know? But like, I didn't, I don't know, maybe they are building a franchise and they're going to bring in like, <coughs> like Sidax and Smoke, the, the robots. Remember those guys? Is Smoke like a uh, gray robot version of Sub-Zero and all that? I think he was, I think he was gray. Sidax Isn't like that? But yeah. isn't like the same skin or whatever they call it, like like yeah. the same kind of outfit, but they just change the color. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then like Katana wasn't in it, uh, or what? Or she? I don't think she was. Um, Mutaro, you know. So there, were, it was like a bunch of like characters that I, I like didn't didn't know, so I didn't. I was like, oh, I don't, I can't really connect with these characters. Like that one, like weird, like robot guy who was like. Uh, like joking the whole time, uh, he, his costume looked like super, super like Party City. Party City, I forget. He, he was like a robot, and he had like red eyes. In the new one, uh huh. He'd be like, "Join us, Kano! Come on, you know you did." Oh, this. that guy. Yeah, was he like from More Combat Three or something? I, I, I see. I was like kind of lost. I, I was like on Wikipedia, like while watching. You, you shouldn't have to. Google characters that are in a movie in front of your face, like, but also like, I think we'd agree, right? The original Mortal Kombat from '92 or whatever is way better than this one, right? Oh yeah, I, I did Come rewatch on. that like as like a palette. Yeah, and, and what song closes that movie out? Freaking the best song ever. <laughs> oh oh <laughs> oh! You mean while they're coming back to? While they're coming back to uh, <laughs> the last song that's played while characters are on screen acting. Hold on. Hold on. I don't, get, I don't want to get the song name wrong. It's Orbital. Oh. Uh-huh. And, okay, I don't remember the name, but I know it's Orbital. It's Halcyon, it's baby. And then you pointed out to me it's all Mean Girls, too. I, mean Girls as well, yeah. Um, there's actually a couple songs on your album. Well, one in particular that I know I've heard it before in something, but I cannot figure it out. Oh, that'll be a fun game to play. And it's uh. like, or maybe I'm just like imagining it. Because I feel like so much, we'll, we'll, we'll get there in just a sec, but, um, okay. but no, I just, it was okay. I mean, it was fun. Uh, I would give fun. like three out of five. Uh, and those last two stars were because it didn't have the song I liked, you know? Yeah. Um, meaning how sound by Orbital, right? Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean the cl- classic Mortal one Kombat One for Halcyon and then one for the Mortal Kombat theme song. Why not lean into it and just make it cheesy as shit and just have a, have a have no story at all? Have it, them just be fighting and like the whole time and put that goddamn song in. 
bookend the movie with it. Everyone's waiting for that shit. I don't know. Uh, so the first one, or the original one, or whatever. The first uh, Mortal Kombat movie is just story-wise better. Yeah. And more, and more fun, right? With, Come uh, on. What's his name? Uh, he was in Highlander. Christopher... Christopher Lambert. Lambert. <laughs> As Raiden. <laughs> As Raiden. He's like, yeah, he has to laugh. <laughs> Mike, is that you acting? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I was, I was Highlander. Fuck off. He was like, he's like the most famous dude on that movie. <laughs> well, he's like, like at the end when like it comes and it turns out the emperor's like, you fools, you must face me now. Your souls will be mine. And he's like, your soul will be mine. I, the guy that played Shang Tsung in the, in the, in the OG version, he's been in stuff. Very, like, I, I liked him a lot more than, than, um, than the new guy. Mm. And I don't, and I want to. Well, you I, know who played, and you know who plays Sonya Blade in the original movie? Veronica Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> so hot. Um, I want to touch uh, the hiney. Billy Madison. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was a big crush of mine back in the day. Oh my god, it's big eyes, and she can break your neck with her thighs. I'm like, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> she kills Kano. Hey, baby, we're going. Oh, how overacting was Kano in the new one? Ugh, like all my friends, like how that guy carried the movie. I'm like, did he? I'm like, it's so I don't know. I don't I don't find uh, chauvinism humorous. It was like, ugh, this dude sucks. Yeah, and then. I- Oh, they all and they all have to gain powers or whatever the hell. And he's like, that, oh, was that was why, why are we doing what are we doing? What are we doing here? Just I want to give him give him his recognition because he's awesome. Oh, please, Shang Tsung. Yeah. Uh, gentleman's name is and forgive me if I mispronounce Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. That's Shang Tsung in the original version. Um, are you looking at his IMDb? What is he known for as well? Uh, so Shang Tsung is his big one. All right. Looks like he looks like he played uh, a character in uh, Timothy Dalton uh, James Bond movie. Oh, okay. And he was in Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes too. Oh, but cool. What you call? Yeah, I just and then uh, the guy the guy who played Luke Kang who he was in so much stuff like growing up. Um, Robin Chow he was in like Beverly Hills Ninja. I yeah. mean, I a that. lot more likable. You know, like very like comedic actor. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. I just it's it's corny and it's like the the CGI wasn't there yet, but it was just a more enjoyable movie, I'd say. Yeah, it's just a better story, and like and everyone's just yeah. Well, you know, it's cheesy, but it you know, so are nachos, and nachos are great. We don't have to add like a bunch of like seriousness to it. We don't have to expect that it's going to be a trilogy, so we don't have to get to the fucking. Mortal Kombat itself, like what the hell? What the what the what? All right. Anyways, I lo- that, that's a good idea for like a shirt. It's cheesy, but so are nachos. Nachos are great. Boom. Uh, I, I would I would put it I would put the new Mortal Kombat up there with uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Like it's just yeah, fine, okay. And like you said last episode, just, just turn off your brain and watch them all fight. Yeah, and and fair and fair enough. That's what else are we supposed to be doing? I'm not looking to. I'm looking for Mortal Kombat to, you know, win any Oscars or anything. So, I'm I'm looking, just... like, be, like be introspective watching Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you know what? You know what the real Mortal Kombat was? In What's here, that? in here. <laughs> oh, God. I had to fight myself tonight watching Mortal Kombat, and you know what? 
we both won because I found out something new. <laughs> I had a real breakthrough tonight during Mortal Kombat. You know what? When Goro's guts spill out all over that uh, quote, main character quotes uh, house, and the kid sees it and like gives him a thumbs up, and then it goes back in after gaining uh, gold armor around his torso for no apparent reason. That's when I realized, you know what? I need to work on my own armor and and slay my own uh, four-armed yet two pectoral monster uh, within. When, when that one villain was sliced in half, mm-hmm. I looked. I looked at my looked into myself. Yeah, and I, and I too thought, flawless victory. <laughs> Looks like you're setting up quite the uh, flawless victory of a week. If I sh- if I could say so, we'll cut this out. But uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> You're really uh, cutting the uh, cutting cutting the world's face in half with your <laughs> with your with your good actions and accomplishments. <laughs> I'm in a mood tonight. I'm gonna sound weird on the cast. I can tell. No, it's gonna be good. I'm having fun. Have you seen anything else besides Mortal Kombat? Besides Mortal Kombat, um, I've actually been watching a lot of documentaries. Uh, about 1980s and 1990s professional wrestling. Oh, sorry, I dozed off for a second. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I'm being real teasy tonight. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. I think I think it's because of all the Madonna I listened to earlier. Uh, <laughs> um, were you a big 80s wrestling guy? Uh, no, I was. I mean, I'm from '88, so I missed out on missed out on Hulk. You know, Andre and Macho Man. But it was a big deal in the early 90s, too. In their heydays, yeah. So, like, I caught on with, like, WWF slash WWE Raw with, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, Uh Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, and then WCW with, like, Goldberg and Sting and Diamond Dallas Page. So you're a a casual fan. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, I'm wearing an Austin 316 shirt right now. No. (laughs) It's, he's not wearing it, folks, but it's tattooed across his chest. <laughs> and he just tore his shirt off. You're like, ah. Did you ever watch professional wrestling? I never got into it because I was too busy with my superheroes. But it's kind of the same idea, right? Like, um, yeah. I, anytime anyone would explain it to me, I'm like, yeah, I could get into that. Um, but like, uh, I don't know, I'm like, uh, where, where, where are the cool cooler costumes like d- does this guy have powers can he throw shurikens is that allowed you know it was just kind of like <laughs> I, I don't know i would read an episode of read an issue of batman or spider-man and then like a friend of mine would be like but did you see this guy in briefs beat up the other guy with briefs they're both sweaty i'm like well all right i don't know because <laughs> i was living in florida when that was a the thing and like oh florida's it's, like it's, it's huge in florida yeah that's where they yeah. that's where like a lot of those wrestlers like either like trained or originated from or retired to yeah pretty sure was it hulk hogan from florida i want to say he was he feels like a very florida dude yeah <laughs> if you know what i mean listen i'm, I'm picking meaning, up meaning he could do anything like, <laughs> including throw an election all right anyways <laughs> i well i it's not so much like it's not so much that like 
I'm like, I follow along with like the lives of the uh, lives of these athletes. Um, but it's athletes. just like the <laughs> very talented. Uh, okay. No, yeah, performers. Come on, performers. Um, I'm sorry, but no, it's okay. But uh, it's like a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is really um, a lot of times it, it's really interesting, a lot very often troubling. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and just the like the, the lives a lot of a lot of these men and women live were so hard, you know. And you don't you don't know that when you're a kid watching, and you know it's you know Stone Cold does the stunner on someone, or you know Hulk Hogan does the leg drop and then rips his shirt, you know, like you don't realize. Yeah. That. There's a really great um, series on Hulu I'm watching called um, uh, the oh shoot, of course I'm going to forget it right now. Dark Side of the Mat, I think it's called. Oh. And it's like about different wrestling controversies over the years. And it's very interesting. And, and it's, 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 it's interview based with like former pro wrestlers and like fanatics that have like been involved in wrestling for like all of their lives. And it's really, really, really very interesting. Um, so I'm watching that. And I started, uh, <laughs> I started watching this one show called Toy Hunter. Um, and Go on. It's basically like, it's basically like American Pickers. So like the guys go to like yard sales and like lots and just yeah. Oh, this, this is, you know, this is Leonardo DiCaprio's first helicopter. How do you how do you not know what you have? I'll give you a hundred dollars for it. You know, Leonardo uh, DiCaprio's first helicopter. Oh man, Leonardo da Vinci. I am so. <laughs> nope. It's too late. It's the episode title. You did it. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's first helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I love, how did you know you didn't know you had this? <laughs> He's still in it. <laughs> so embarrassed. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, but like, so it's like an antiques roadshow for like cool toys and shit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 every once in a while, like YouTube, like antique antiques roadshow, like huge finds and stuff like that, because those are so fun to watch. Like on on YouTube, like 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 some you know, like I don't know, my great uncle would just roll in there, like I don't know, got this blanket somewhere, fell off a truck, fucking uh, man, I puked up PBR on it last night, but you know, here it is, and like like this is a ancient Navajo, like. Uh, <laughs> medicine man blanket uh used for like uh, only made for the new the new chieftain and it's worth more than your entire family's lives combined like <laughs> it's that's that's fun to see them like oh shit so what can i get the money now or what like, like it's great it's i love it i there's a there's a really great uh spoof on the simpsons from an antique roadshow and and uh, mo <laughs> Mo takes, he's got like a, a beer tap and it's, hey, so how much can I get for this? You know, and and the guy's like, well, this is, you know, an 1800s uh, beer tap that was probably used at the, you know, probably used at the the brewery when it first opened. It would be worth $15,000. However, someone, <laughs> however, some, someone carved in Homer rules on, on the side of it. <laughs> So it's actually worth fifteen dollars, and Homer's like, "That's home, I'm gonna kill him." Oh my grabbed, god! Like, 
Skinner has like a double barrel like musket and he grabs it and it disintegrates and oh it's so good. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um and that that's uh re- Simpsons reference number 38 for fans I, listening. Uh speaking of speaking of uh um value losing value on collectible items, I went to the Austin Record Convention. Oh, tell me about it. Um I was there for two hours. <laughs> there's a there's a big record convention um over last weekend and you know, that's like my happy place. And I think Jake's as well. And uh, so I rolled in there. Uh, my neighbor right next door to me has a massive collection. He goes every year and often sets up booths. He has a, he's like, has a whole like, you know, trading business. Um, and like, I'm looking at, looking through records. And my move was like, I walked in there. And I'm like, ooh, it's like, well, you know, it's a warehouse. It's a, it's a giant convention center. Just with booths and booths and just countless records so i i'm like well for my own mental health i'm gonna run around the entire building and run down every aisle and just kind of feel it out because i have like that record sense i'm like maybe that guy maybe this bends over there but, you know i didn't have a lot of cash to spend and all that but it's just so much fun to like see a bunch of nerds flipping through records um finding cool shit saw saw a lot of stuff i have in my collection uh that was priced uh to you know bonkers degrees but like it's all in mint condition man and like i have i was telling my buddy who like has booze there often i'm a i'm a collect i have a collection i'm not a collector i don't i'm not too concerned about my records are like utilitarian they're they're there for they're bullets in my gun you know i'll take care of my turntable but my records they get beaten the hell out of so I don't have mint condition sleeves. They've been, they've been dragged to gigs and they've been beat up and all that. So I don't even know what my collection is truly like worth worth. I don't have like, you know, first edition Beatles or and shit like that. I've got a bunch of weird 90s, 12 inch techno records. That's all. Did you, did you pick anything up? I purchased one record. I was flipping through this guy's booth, like seeing a lot of records I already own, like priced for 200 or 180. I'm like, God damn it. I should have been. <laughs> it's like, it's like that scene in Mallrats, you know, when he picks up the comic books at the flea market and he goes, you should have boards on these. I'm like, fuck. Like <laughs> I, I should have been taking better care of my records, but like all the guys that I DJed with that like took really good care of their records and had like plastic sleeves. And I'm like, you guys are losers. Get in there and fucking work. Like, <laughs> and of course now I'm like, Oh, how much would it cost to like have someone clean these for me? You know, uh, <laughs> How many sleeves do I need? Um, <clears throat> but I found one uh, record at, uh, at this one guy's booth that had, you know, stuff I was interested in. Basically, I, I was looking almost exclusively for 90s electronica music uh, because clearly that's where my head's at. And I found a uh, dude had a 12 inch, a little beaten up, stickers on it, you know, signatures on it. This, bo- this record belongs to this get me. And I'm like, not anymore, motherfucker. So I pulled it and it was uh, a record by utah saints called something good and it's a uh awesome 90s uh dance single featuring a sample from kate bush if you're a fan perhaps all right but uh um and i asked the guy hey man i didn't see a price on this one and he's like oh uh, that one's a dollar <laughs> i found i found the only like dollar record in the entire <laughs> convention and i was like um okay, can I split this up over a few different credit cards? And I got 
half a laugh from his girlfriend that was checking people out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I took that one home and uh, it's lovely. Dude, nice. Yeah. I I missed it this year. I, I, uh, but you know, I just, uh, yeah, we've got, we're all budgeting. Yeah. It's just, I had like that final, like final tuition payment due. And fortunately I'm, I'm actually graduating. Do you mean tuition, tuition payment or. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fortunately, so I'm, I'm actually graduating this week. Um, which feels in, good. In, in, in many ways. In many ways. Uh, good congratulations again, by the way, Jake. Everyone, yeah. all the all the Mimos fans, come on. I I truly feel like this week uh will be I don't want to try to think uh I already said flawless victory earlier. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> flawless victory. This week shall be a, a true flawless victory. Uh but I I missed it. I, I love going to Austin Record Commission. I a lot of times have too much fun there because I, I don't like to haggle. Like I'm. See, I'm not that guy either, man. I think we've I talked can't. about this before. Probably. I'm like, ah, well, the, the, the price tag says this. I'm like, he's like, do you want ten percent off? Because you you're buying a lot. I'm like, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I, my thing is like, oh, you took the time to like, you know maybe research or, or something or like you take the time to like write the price on this. And I know you probably traveled here from, uh, you know, a lot, uh, you know, all over the place. There's people there from like all over the world. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if it says like $5, I'll have people be like, we take three, you know, I'm just like, I'm just going to give nice man or woman their $5. Cause I'm just like, you know what? Like this is a record I really want. If I really want it, I'm just going to spend the money for it. You know? See, I'm like I'm like I too, man. Like I'm not gonna I'm not about to if I buy a, if I'm buying a thousand dollars of the records and he offers if I'm like, hey man, what about nine hundred? Fine. But like if I'm buying a record or two, I'm like I'm not about to be like on Discogs, this one actually says it's worth this much. Cause there's people doing that all over the place at that convention. Really? And I'm like, oh yeah, which is kind of tacky, I think. Oh, that's tacky. That's that's not cool. Because talk about supporting local businesses, man. These people are breaking even on these conventions, man. Gas for hauling, like, God knows how many, how many pounds of vinyl across the country to just to set up for two days in, in Austin, hope that people show up during a pandemic. Come on, give them your extra dollar and a half. And then room, you know, like getting a hotel uh, or being Airbnb, like. They're eating Whataburger for three days. Ugh. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, Come I on, just. Man. I just, it's never been my thing. Like, you know, I know, I know, like, like, you know, you can get good deals, but I'm just like, you know what? Like, I'm just, I'm just gonna, you want $2 for, you know, this, you know, this Credence Clearwater Revival 45 here. Thank you. You know, like, yeah. Cause a lot of times, like, in, in my, in my experience, like, a lot of times, like, you build relationships with, um, with some of the sellers, like, so I normally go to the San Antonio record convention, which is normally in like March. And then the Austin one, and a, lot, a lot of them have like the same dealers. And, um, so they're, you know, so you, you kind of start building like relationships um, with them, which is really cool. Um, and they remember you and they're like, and they're just like, you know, Hey, you know, like, and then you, you'll say like, I remember there was like at one point I was looking for a lot of records by this one artist and, 
I think some of them were just like, hey, are you still looking for Graham Parsons? You know, and that was the guy. And uh, yeah, so it's, I don't know, teach their own, but I'm always just more, I'm more inclined to just be like, here, thank you for allowing me to add this record to my collection. I appreciate it, you know? You kind of, you kind of uh, owe something to your curators. I don't know, that's why we tip sommeliers and stuff, right? I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> Jake, do you have a favorite record store in the country? Oh, that's a great question. I know. Um, Isn't it a great question? Um, the greatest record store I've, I've ever been to is in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Really? It's called Arkansas Record and CD Exchange. It is hands down the finest record store I've ever been to. Um, what's, what's so great about it? The, what, the, a gen- what a generic name. What's so cool about this place? The selection, um, mm-hmm. the the curation. Uh, I remember the first time I went, I found the first pressing of Jimmy World's first album with the forty five it came with. Oh, very, cool. very reasonably priced. Um, it was actually really cool because Jimmy World played ACL later on that year, and I took it to get they did it a signing. And I took it to get it signed, and the band was like whoa where did you get this you know and they were nice like, check this out look where did you get this and they were like all really like surprised oh. and i was like uh little rock arkansas you know like um just fantastic if you're ever cruising through little rock i could not recommend it more they it's one of those spots where they have like a hallway of just like the, the calax or calax um ikea shelves yes kind of something something like that but not it, it's it goes up to the ceiling and it's just the mm-hmm. hallway of of record of used records. Just the and massive quantity of it all. Is yeah, glorious. Yeah. Oh, that's that's my in here in town. Uh, I got to give it to End of an Ear. Uh, they're just uh, they, well, they, they kept me sane uh, when I had when I got the record itch during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, people here in Austin say like, "Oh, well, Waterloo." I'm like, "Well, come on, where's the personality?" Where's the, where's the, there's a little hint of grime happening at end of an ear and it feels like a record store and not like a fucking, you know, Waterloo seems to have like such deep pockets and they're so clean. Like it's, leave a little dust on the records. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about? I understand. Yeah. Some personality. Yeah. How, how about you? What's your favorite record spot? Ooh. Um, I, I worked at a record importer exporter in Brooklyn called Sector Media. It isn't. It, it fell while I was there, uh, but it was very much related to a store there called Breakbeat Science, um, which is a you know pretty famous uh, record shop. Um, I worked for I think two days at a place called Turntable Lab in New York, which is a very cool, very I, hip. I've heard of that one. Yeah, um, they have an office warehouse in Brooklyn, and then they have a brick and mortar uh, in Manhattan which is quite small. And I really wanted to work there because um, I enjoyed like, the, the, you know, they have like a very nice web presence and like every, every they're very um, uh, particular about what they have on their shelves and every record they have on the, on the shelf has a fully written review on the website and like why this is interesting and why it's cool and all this. Um, it's like, I really wanted to be one of the curators. I really wanted to work at that record shop. Yeah, it didn't work out. But um. Uh, 
like New York stuff is like either, either like really specialty like that, which is interesting to me, or like, you know, maybe a couple more like d- dingy places that are miraculously still open or there's like Virgin make a store, but I think that one's uh, shut down when I was there. And then in Michigan, um, I used to go to a place called Beatniks, which was um, like a very, you know, specific, you know, uh, um, d- dance music, 12 inches or hip hop stuff. And I would go there all the time to get uh, records when I was like first starting up and building up a collection because it was glorious. And I was like two guys worked there. They knew exactly who I was and what I was into. And they would, I would, they would, I would walk in, you know, tring, hello. They're like, hey man, we know who you are. And so they just walk me through the, the store and like pull stuff off the shelf. I'm like, here, listen to this. And like, give me a stack of records to listen to. And I love that kind of stuff. There's a place in uh, Chicago called Gramophone Records, which was like a very, it's a famous record store that, you know, um, well, I know a lot of Chicago house records were, you know, uh, first sold. And then, uh, but my favorite of all time has to go, it has to be, I think. Oh, and there's like, uh, there's Vertigo in Grand Rapids, which is great. Um, but but uh, my favorite is in East Lansing, Michigan, a place called Flat Black and Circular. Uh, it's right on there on the MSU campus. And it's just, it's, you know, upstairs in a little humble space, but they just, I don't know. They always just knew what they were doing. Yeah. I would walk in, they would see me. I didn't live there. I would drive an hour and a half to get there or whatever. Or an hour, or whatever. I don't know. But, um, and I just make a day out of it buying records. And they would see me because I would go in there like once a, a, every few weeks or whatever. And like, they would just, I mean, like when you, when you can hear like the music change in the record store, I'm like, oh, and it's like something you're into. I'm like, they recognize me and they're playing this to sell me this record. So I, I bought many records like that. That, that reminds fun. me of uh, the greatest movie about a record store, um, High Fidelity, when he's like, of course. And he's like, watch me sell five new copies of this record. And you put it on. <laughs> Name the band. Is it? Well, because I can't remember. Name the band he plays and says, I will now sell multiple copies of this album. I don't know it. What is the beta, it? The beta band. The beta band? Mm-hmm. How do you know that? Are you, are you a big High Fidelity head? I love High Fidelity. Absolutely. That movie shook me. A, a guy that is a, that has trouble hanging on to girlfriends and loves records too much. <laughs> that's like hello that's beautiful like but i don't know like essentially that's what djing is right like you're curating a mix like like i'm gonna play stuff that you like but also i'm gonna play stuff that you should be listening to <laughs> which i guess is, i don't know that's where record stores can get a bad name because like they can be hoity-toity and blah 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 and, and uh, like you know um pretentious uh yeah. was the word my sister last night was trying to think of pretentious <laughs> Um, yeah. but you know, like one of the things, like you talk about, like when you, you would drive to like an hour to, uh, are you, are you doing it? Are you doing it? <laughs> do it. How can I tell just by your tone of voice? <laughs> <laughs> one of the, that's, that's what a year of, that's what a year of recording a show will do. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things I was thinking about, you know, when you, when you said you, what was it was the, 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 the flat flat black and circular in east lansing michigan flat black and circular in east lansing yeah. you know you would drive you would say you make a day out of just buying records and i love that you know because one of the things 
you know, it's all about <laughs> exploring uh-huh. different shops for different, different records. You know, I would say that, you know, as you were young and you were hungry and looking for those records, I would, yeah. I would consider you a very busy child. Oh, go! quite a busy child not in the not in the best ways uh okay um jake my assignment for for this episode for you was um the crystal methods debut album vegas um what did you think i adored this record there it is like absolutely was just floored by how much i enjoyed listening to this record you guys that's what i've been waiting for <laughs> it's happening how long how long have you had this one uh like on deck the entire time really the entire time were you kind of because like i feel like there's so i heard so because it's a big beat record right well here well here we go again i knew i god damn it i knew this would come up uh and and like i was i was i was like literally pacing around my apartment today like is it Big Beat? What is Big Beat? Ah, the more I think about it, the further away from it I get. Ah! Um, like, because... <laughs> Fat Boy Slim in a certain era, his first, let's call it, three albums are, like, definitive Big Beat. Meaning, like, drums first. They are maxed out in the mix. There's loops upon loops. The drums are gigantic, and they're bombastic, and they're broken, and they're, they go boom, boom, ba, da, boom, ba, doom, ba. And... Like, I guess, technically, this record could be considered big beat, but it's so goddamn slick. Yeah. And there's a certain, like, um, silliness to what I would consider big beat, the genre, that, like, we, you know, chemical bars get thrown in there, which I'm like, I guess, because block rockin' beats sounds pretty big, but, like, stuff like Prodigy, I'm like, I don't think so. This, this is way more rock and roll to than big beat. There's not a lot of funk going on here. Um, but Crystal Method, I mean, um, from like a production standpoint, sure, the beats are large and they're big, but like, uh, I, I don't know if I would call it big beat. It's lower tempo, so we're not like, we're not like full like uh, trance at 140 and we're not like house at 120. We're like at 110, 108, 105 even. So it's like lower tempo stuff. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's so clean and like glossy and really, um, 
little Vegasy, like a lot of lots of lots of. There's a lot of glitter going on here. There's a lot of uh, you know um, high contrast happening here. Those crispy, crispy high hats, baby. Um, it just it, the album sounds expensive, which Big Beat doesn't seem like it wants to be. This is just kind of well, it's just kind of Crystal Method Vegas, baby. It, it's a. Uh, I'm happy you said. Because Vegas is where the band is from, which I did not realize. Yeah, Vegas and uh, I guess L.A. Um, what's so the other Vegas band? I well, the two other ones I know are Panic at the Disco, which is uh, they started off. You know, now they're like a super huge pop band, but they started off like kind of like a very like very interesting, like almost like baroque pop kind of baroque emo pop kind of group, and then of course, famously, the Killers. You know, which have oh yeah, yeah, yeah. very recognizable sound. You know, and and I was thinking, about, I was like, you know, like when when you think of Vegas, you think you know, like bright lights. You think of gambling and all the shows, but like there's, I, I, there is totally something in that community that produces like a very, um, very like real, very real like noticeable genres of uh, of a very real i guess i'll say genres of music i mean because like there's no one that sounds like the killers and like i i heard like some prodigy i heard a lot like some fat boy slim in this record but nothing nothing sounds like crystal method these they're is it synthesizers is it like whatever they were doing it was like i i loved it it was it was like dark but like dark and brooding but, yeah but also very danceable and very like very e- very easy to listen to yeah have you been to vegas yes what you think i actually love las vegas i uh do you really how many times I, have you been how many times have you been to vegas? um probably about like six or seven Oh, oh, Jesus! Really? Only like three or four that I could actually enjoy Vegas as an adult. Um, I see. But <laughs> we we drove we we at, when we were younger um, we would take we were the Griswolds kind of thing and yeah yeah we would, station wagon out to and we would uh, we would stop in Vegas and like do like the like the, the family friendly stuff and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. I, I I really do. I really do enjoy it. Okay, yeah, I, I've been there once for a friend's wedding and all that. Um, I like the you know older Vegas, uh, you know the, the older strip and all that, like because it was just so uh, well glossy, which I think this you can hear it in this album. It's this is very, it's very it's it's it's, it's uh, well it's just polished. Yeah, everything's so the sound is so crisp. They're really um, exploring the panning on the you know left and right speakers with like all the you know the highs and there's drums on on top of drums but they never uh they're never in competition with each other it's all so um uh deliberate like everything is is there uh, um uh, for a good reason these these tracks sound like they have been worked on and reworked over and over and over again until it's just right um yeah i i, I agree and like when you say like deliberate and it's never like they're never competing 
that was where I saw the deviation or the the the, the deviation from like sounding like way too much like Fatboy Sim or or Prodigy. You know, like it, it was like the drums were there, but you also had this like really like you know with you know that other instrumentation and so like with like fat blue sim for instance like you i was pulled into the drums i was like wow you, these drums sound incredible but with here i was just like with vegas i was just like oh my god like everything's just working in unison and it sounds like one complete amazing product and it just it was crazy yeah yeah like with, with Fatboy Sim and like Big Beat, like I think you're kind of dancing to the drums, but here in with Crystal Methods Vegas, like you're kind of dancing to the synth. You're dancing, yeah. they're dancing to the the them playing that like they're just I don't know they're putting in on an arpeggiated you know synth pad and then they're they're messing with the resonance and cut off like where you, where you, which where you get like the and like you're dancing to that and like that's just them doing this with their fingers so i'm like you know like, like they're tweaking nipples on their on their little on their on their boards and all that gentle listener elliot literally just took off a shirt and was tweaking yeah. his, his nips right now it was all it was quite the performance <laughs> um oh, i'm glad you uh dug it uh th- this has been on my list since the beginning of this show like it's it's in my like it would be in my uh top five like um influential 90s electronic albums for me just because like this was in constant rotation um uh the tracks i wouldn't like play out during dj sets that much because they're so slow you'd have to really pitch them up um to to match them with like other dance songs but like the production here is just insane and i say that every episode uh (laughs) i i I know like this is one of the one of our first con- and we I know I've mentioned it a couple times on the show, but like I s- swore up and down for twenty years that this was the song that Blade walks into uh, in Blade One, which I, I texted you about it when I watched it. But mm-hmm. listener, if you have not watched Blade, starring Wesley Snipes and Sir Stephen Dorff, I like just watch the opening. It's like it's. You know what? I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say something bold. It's the greatest Marvel intro scene ever. It's incredible. I think you. I think you said that before on the show, and I don't know if I can argue that. <laughs> I honestly don't. But like, I like maybe the uh, uh, ACDC intro to Iron Man One when they're in the in the freight of trucks. That is cool. That's cool but one. like, no, this is more up my alley. Like, it's a slow build, um, uh, and so well. Speaking of it, it does sound uh, the um, New Order Confusion <laughs> remix that was featured in Blade, which uh, is one of my my favorite records that I have on my shelf right now. Because it's wow, what a party uh, weapon that is to bust out. Um, it's like that same like Crystal Method s like kind of. Like, I don't want to say gloomy because it's not, but it's like it's edgy and it's just ah, uh, it, it, there's nothing that sounds like that. Uh, the song sounds like a Crystal Method tune in that it is maybe sleazy, like and, and then like maybe like intimidating. There's a reason they chose a song like that to you know walk you into a 
uh, vampire blood orgy or whatever, and everyone dies. Because it's a little... <laughs> haven't we all? It's been a year, guys. Oh, boy. Um, uh, but like, like, these guys seem like... Uh, the, the Crystal Methods, two dudes. Um, and they seem... Uh, I don't want to hang out with them. <laughs> like, I, they seem... They, they have like a certain like very cool vibe and like uh they it i kind of get the impression that they vegas club drug partiers like there's that. a lot of drug references in in the album and like and that's not really like my vibe but like but but damn it's cool and it's and and glossy and like uh moody perhaps but but uh ag- aggressively moody i don't know the music certainly inspires a a feeling like you sent me the opening shot of uh replacement killers yes um keep Chow up Yun alive fat, kick an ass tell you in fat flick i think it's john woo i don't know um <laughs> demira sorvino in that one yep michael rooker um i haven't seen it in 15 years but I, but uh that opening sequence is forever imprinted in my brain because like that's that's exactly what this album is trying to um vibe out like you uh, listening to this album like you are a fucking assassin and you're walking into a vegas nightclub and you can kill anybody you want like these guys should be scoring john wick like the doy like th- yeah. that's the <laughs> vibe all the goddamn way yeah, it's it's like definitely like like don't mess with me. Like I'm here. Like there's a lot of stuff going on, but like I'm centered on something. Like I'm a badass. I'm here to F, like f some stuff up. You know? Yeah. There's a certain yeah. badassery to it. Yeah. Very. It's it's very badass music. You know? Like yeah. That's a adds a certain uh, hubris to it. Like these guys yeah. sound confident as shit, and like they're producing and writing. They're doing weird shit. I was driving listening to, and it was like I was like pumped up you know like yeah like like a lot of our other albums like i keep on going to you know fat boy slim and and prodigy just because these are the two i kind of like align most with it fat boy slim was like all right like i'm here to like have fun you know like i'm here to dance right prodigy like you know i'm rebelling and i'm raging against something but this this is like you know i'm here to freaking not mess around like i'm here to freaking I'm on a mission right now, and I, I needed that, you know. And it, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Of course you did. And so I just, yeah, I really, really, really uh, liked this record. Um, so I got a. So the opening track, "Trip Like I Do." Um, yes. There's we can a talk drop. About this for half an hour. There's a drop at uh, minute three twenty-three, mm-hmm. where the song just changes, and I. Yep. I loved it. Um, the previously referenced "Busy Child." Yes. Um, Wait. So, so "Trip Like I Do" um, uh, is the opening track. It's one of the longer ones, and they, so they really take their time. Like, they're they're building up, you know, and they're just showing off that confidence. Like, we're gonna have a little slow build to this album, and they sample the Dark Crystal. Um, send me the Dark Crystal. Uh, is that is that okay? You send me a clip um, of that. I did. I sent Jake a clip. I sent him a couple reference things. It's fine. Um, and then you sent me you sent me that video of you doing um, Buffalo 
Buffalo Bills version of that his dance from uh, Silence, uh-huh. Dance, which I thought was kind of interesting for the pod. Uh, I, yeah, good, good, goodbye horses. <laughs> goodbye horses. Well, I was like, uh, hey, you know how Krista Method is very confident in their production techniques. Look how confident I am, Jake. Yeah, it, it was uh, cool, and I don't even have a dick. <laughs> It was neat. I thought, okay, like how how we're gonna how am I gonna work this into Vegas? But you know, here we are. But you know, here I, just try, I was just trying to get into your head before we recorded. <laughs> Which you do that every episode, you know? That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> every time before we record, I send you something fucked up, and just to get him, just to keep him rattled. I want him, I want him a little fucked up so I can like pop pop left hook pop 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 pop. Um. <laughs> it's like the Muhammad Ali talking talking trash to his opponent thing, and like getting. They get in there and he, he he does the one two punch and stuff with. So, I understand. <laughs> but yeah, and trip like like the uh, another world, another time, till the time the crystal cracked is from the Dark Crystal. The yeah, I've, never, I've never seen the Dark Crystal. Oh. A bud. It's like labyrinth with less Jennifer Connelly and uh, more upsetting imagery. It's <laughs> <laughs> like literally the best way and more purple. I don't know. And uh, trip like I do, um, okay. Well, one, it famously like uh, has like a weird sample in it of this woman talking, right? Uh, where she's like, you know, clearly in a, a certain state. She's a little fucked up, and she's like, uh, you know, and she says the line, "I want you to trip like I do." Um, and it was reportedly a voicemail one of the dudes in Crystal Method got from a, a lady friend who was like next level fucked up and like wanted him to come over and stuff. So they sampled it and put it on the tune. I'm guessing without permission. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, and, and that song was later reworked um, uh, with the lead singer from Filter for the Spawn soundtrack. Uh, Filter is going to pop up again uh, here here in a little bit. As they always should. I'm gonna. I think I'm just gonna try to incorporate filter into like all our conversations. You know, like. Okay. You know, how, how was your day? Well, I changed the water filter. Hey. Hey, watch out. That's Nemo's. Thanks for listening. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. For the, I was looking because you've mentioned the Spawn soundtrack a couple times, and I and I sure. And I've looked at it like it's weird, like how the Spawn soundtrack is like. Pretty much just like the perfect combo of like. <laughs> it was made just for Jake and Elliot and Sipping Me. <laughs> like, it should be like Spawn the Motion Picture colon a Sipping Mimos can like companion like listing. Because it's like we can... <laughs> it's all these like, I mean I'll I'll read through them. Oh, I, forget I... it. The track listing is bonkers on that one. It was like one of the first like movies where like, let's get all the metal dudes and let's get all the uh, the electronic dudes and we'll, we'll make them all work together. And gangbusters. I mean, you had like Chris Method and Filter. Yep. Uh, you know, you mentioned last night Orbital and Kirk Hammett. Woo! Boho Surfers and Moby. <laughs> Prodigy and Tom Morello. I mean, like a lot, a lot of a lot of the artists. Uh, is it called? No Man Army is a track. Uh, one Man Army. One Man Army. Oh, okay. I mean, there's. I. I don't. I've never. I've never listened to it. I mean, I, when I. I remember watching Spawn. I just remember thinking like, man, I, you know, John Leguizamo was the coolest man. You know. Uh, but I need. I really need to check out this soundtrack. 
We could do a whole episode on it, honestly. We should. Mm. Perhaps we will. I thought the drums on Busy Child were honestly the best we've heard so yeah. far. Um, up there with Better Living Through Chemistry. Yes. The song Keep Hope Alive sounded familiar, and the reason why is because I owned the uh, 1999 Family Values Tour CD uh, that famously included the Crystal Brothers. Uh, uh, Crystal Brothers. <laughs> Crystal, Crystal Ma- Brothers! Sipping Mimos. Along with uh, Limp Biscuit, you had Stained, you had some Primus, Method Man, Red Man, and of course, subject of our second episode, Corn. Uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, you were at this show. I was at the show. Ah, Jake. So jealous. I guess it was 99 or 98 or whatever. It feels, it feels like it was a thousand years ago. Um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So uh, me and a friend of mine in high school, like, I don't know how we got tickets or whatever. We were in like a, a booth in this big, you know, stupid arena. And it was a family lives tour. I remember corn. I remember Limp Biscuit. I remember Stained, I believe. Um, and then Crystal Method was there too. And we went for Crystal Method. And we were the only two people <laughs> in the entire arena that were there for Crystal Method. Um, I mentioned before they're, they're crispy hi hats. <laughs> yeah. Um, often in these like tours, the 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 you know the board is equalized for metal and rocket music. Um, Crystal Method comes on with their fucking keyboards and drum pads, and they are just blasting through the speakers. I'm enjoying myself. Me and my buddy. Uh, are way back, and we, but we have a pair of binoculars because we're looking so closely at what they're, what they're doing. They're moving their keyboards around like on a swivel thing, but they invented themselves and stuff. It's crazy. Um, but they're being booed. They're getting middle fingers. Oh. I know it's really shitty, but like it, it was a bunch of Lip Biscuit and Corn fan, fans, and they weren't ready to hear that shit. Filter was there, but they did not do Trip Like I Do Together. We were sort of a little bummed out by that. But I think because Crystal Method was on, was on stage for, you know, 35 minutes and they're like, fuck this town and we're done with this show. Like, ah. So it, that wasn't great, but my uh, friend did, um, you know, do what we talk about often on this show, or at least I do. He hashtag bought the t-shirt and he bought nice. a Crystal Method, Crystal Method t-shirt that he wore the next day to high school and was immediately asked to turn it inside out. What was it called? It said the crystal method on the front. And then on the back it said like, you know, uh, something like, something very similar to like, you know, better living through the power of crystals. Um, it's a drug reference. These guys do drugs. <laughs> crystal meth, probably. I, I, I know they're not- Way too long to put that together. Like. I was like, is this, was Crystal Method, was that like, do they have to do something that like abided by the Crystal Method in Dark Crystal? Is it, is it like a nerdy reference? It took me way too long to figure that out. <laughs> Apparently they're named after like one of their old like uh, drivers named Crystal who would like take weird routes to get to gigs and stuff. And, said, and they, would, they would say, or their manager would say like, oh, let's take the Crystal Method. It yeah. was meaning like some silly road trip or whatever, or, or a shortcut. Um, but they knew what they were doing. It, it sounds like a drug reference. 
that that's the one time I saw them perform live live. And then I saw them in a DJ set, um, doing a DJ set in New York where uh, it was right before Obama got elected. Oh, that's cool. And the city was a buzz, you know, cause it was, you know, it's fucking New York and everyone's like super psyched for Obama. And <clears throat> so, and like, sure enough, the crystal methods in town, they're doing a DJ set. I'm like, well, I don't really, I, you know, some of these guys, I'm like, I don't really care if they're DJing. Cause you know, I, I'd rather see a proficient DJ than a live act do a DJ set. Check, I go check out crystal method and well, guess what they do. They take what was Obama's big slogan in that first campaign? Uh, hope or oh yeah, yeah again. yes, yeah Oops. hope. Oh, hope. the the hope posters that like Shepard Fairey designed and all this. So he was like hope. So their one of their big songs is called "Keep Hope Alive," and what they do is they replace <laughs> they play a remix of it um, where they replace the sample like you know it's like some you know dude saying like you know there is hope. You know, and like uh, he, they replace it with Obama saying "hope," <laughs> and like <laughs> it's they're using Obama samples, and everyone like you know it's building up and building up, and instead of like "keep hope alive," you just hear like, "Well, folks, we need to move forward," and then like there is hope. Like, like Obama said, there is hope one time, and then like bam, and everyone loses their shit, and there's like Obama like posters everywhere, <laughs> and uh, he won. He won the election because of Crystal Method. <laughs> Uh, he famous he famously thanked them in his yeah <laughs> yeah isn't that wasn't that weird People like who uh. <laughs> this one was great all around badstone was the one that i could not um figure out where i've heard that one uh, maybe, maybe it was the sample uh it, it was that it's not a guitar it's it's definitely like a that really really pretty kind of a clean part uh it sounded very familiar um it might just because at that point i was so into the album um that was all of my feels but uh on my on my the app i was listening to it on i mean i i hearted pretty much all the songs awesome um the only one i nah they're pretty much all (laughs) awesome yeah i i actually I think this one, and I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are, but I honestly think this one can kind of like pairs well with my album for this week. You think so, huh? Yeah, just because, just because I feel like there could be, I feel like if some of my artist songs um, were to get in the hands of Crystal Method, they would um, probably benefit. Mm. Uh, But my album... (gasps) <gasps> this week is 1998's Ray of Light mm-hmm. uh, by the one and only Madonna.
album this week um, is an album that I've wanted to talk about for a while, just because I really mm-hmm. connected with the two singles off of it. I guess I don't, I, the two biggest singles, I would say. Um, I have very fond memories listening to these songs. Uh, the album, listening to the album was a, a very eye-opening experience. Uh, and the album is 1998's Ray of Light, or if you're Elliot, Ray of Plight. Uh, by <laughs> the one and only iconic Madonna. So Elliot, I may have given it away. Uh, Jake's, but... just, Jake's just reading my facial expressions on it. Go ahead. What did you think of Rave Light? Okay, here's the thing. I don't want to be. I don't want to sound like a dick. <laughs> I don't want to um, tell people that they should do this and shouldn't do that. I don't want to tell people what kind of music they can make. Who would do such a thing? It's just that perhaps it's just difficult to um, separate the Madonna, the cultural icon from Ray of Light, the album, uh, because Madonna is such a, I don't know, perhaps polarizing figure in the music world. Um, She appears to have a long history of cultural appropriation, um, whether it's, you know, uh, a religion, um, a form of music, um, a dance move, um, or an accent from a different country that she doesn't live in, really. It seems like she's, you know, fans would say, oh, she's a chameleon. She's constantly, constantly, uh, changing what she does but like is it her changing as an artist or is it her team of people saying hey this is what's cool right now you should do this and that's what i feel like this album is um it is the jurassic park of albums madonna madonna was so obsessed with whether or not she could she never sat and thought to consider whether or not she should. That's, that's a very that's a very profound way of looking at this one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it's it's Madonna doing a dance album. Uh, <clears throat> it's produced by William Orbit, who is uh, a producer of note. He's worked with a lot of folks, and he I think I think he's kind of behind the uh, whole uh, like dream wave synth wave chill wave washed out kind of sound um for listeners think the portlandia theme uh that's a washed out tune we wouldn't have gotten there i don't think without william orbit's uh early production stuff he, he really pushed like a muted electronic piano kind of sound and you didn't hear that all over this album um um and it sounds good and you know what madonna sounds good her voice is like matured because she's like, you know, in, into her like fourth decade as a, as a human being. But it kind of sounds like she's doing a Beth Gibbons um, uh, Portishead impression to me. Because she's in a little lower register. She's a little fuller power behind her voice. It sounds good. It sounds better than fucking, you know, Material Girl or the hell. Um, but like it, in it, you know, like, wow, she does have a quite the powerful voice, but she's doing so what people have done before her and not and while adopting a certain genre and and certain influences she's not really elevating it yeah 
that's 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 so awesome you you pointed out porter said because listening to it i heard a ton of porter said a lot of a lot of trip hop in this one even even a lot of like the little like the drum roll not really drum rolls but it's kind of like a it's like a like a drum it's like a it's like a they kind of like drag out but it, it's not a drum roll but it's it's almost like a delayed drum almost uh i i recognized it from from dummy uh porter said from previous episode yeah uh, a lot of that and i looked to see if if uh, orbit was from the same um area as as porter said but i don't think he is um just because i know that's such a you know uh they are bristol bristol yeah thank you um but uh yeah i it was a very like because i mean i've heard ray of light i remember ray of light coming on vh1's like hot 10 like in 1998 and like watching like getting up in the morning and 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 watching watching that and just being like wow this like doesn't sound like madonna Mm-hmm. This doesn't sound like, like you said, uh, Material Girl, uh, like a virgin, Vogue, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I thought like the imagery was really interesting, like because it, it was like if the music video famously like is like very colorful and like almost like forward motion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're right like her voice is very mature i think I, I according to wikipedia it looks like she like was doing like vocal lessons um around this album and i think it definitely shows i mean uh, i mean i'll admit she does sound awesome like legit there's no denying like her voice sounds great um, yeah so it looks like according to wikipedia because right before this she did evita the um the music yeah oh, and wow. she did vocal lessons to prep for that um, and I, I think this album, I think this album came at a time for Madonna when she, she, there was a lot of change happening in her life. You know, like I know she, she was just getting ready to ha- have like her first child around this time. And I, and I think, you know, it was around the time when she was like, you know, famously getting really into like the, the Kabbalah and, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Eastern the eastern cultures you know like that uh yes <laughs> why do you make that face what? <laughs> yeah for the listeners i'm making a face that's probably similar to the face you're making right now listening to this uh what what what, what, what? there's a song on here called shanti slash agshanti and she sings it's a uh it's a hindu sanskrit prayer that she just like fucking raps to and i just wrote down fuck you <laughs> I, like it, fuck, fuck you! Like, what are you doing? <laughs> that that one's not my. Actually, for my notes for that one, I just put thoughts. Um, uh. It's not my favorite. I, I I will say like I I feel like ah she seems very genuine in in her belief because like she like still what? like she like <laughs> really. I, I get that vibe. I feel like at the at this point, you know, in her life, like like I said, she's going through so much, you know, change, um, and it, it's obviously reflected in the music. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't. It didn't. I don't know if it lands. 
all the, you know, as well at, at certain points in the album. Um, but I thought it was okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, I think what I, my problem with this, problem with it. Okay. A couple of things. Her voice sounds great. Whether or not she is, you know, uh, copying anyone or whatever. All music is inherently derivative, right? Uh, you know, it's coming from somewhere. Right, um, you know she's got this, you know, Euro club influence now. Um, she's exploring, you know, uh, you know, you know, different religions, different cultures, and all this. And I think she took a liking to European club culture, and just was like, okay, that's mine now, or like I want to be in that. And like, okay, like you can go to the clubs and enjoy the music and all that. Um, but like, it was like. Um, cultural forecasting like she's like this is gonna be big in a second and and i'm gonna ride this wave so i can remain relevant it feels very in, in, insincere and and like she she's like this is what i think you know club music is and this is what i think electronic music is but it's just she can't help but leave her like just a little you know little twisted completely detached from normal society influence on it from this one she does music in 2000 um and music is a little bit a little bit more funky it's kind of like she's blending it's like she's getting back to her almost like disco um funk kind of like pop music that that you know she was known for in like the 80s it's also got don't don't tell me on there I remember liking music a bit, actually. Yeah. Okay. I forgot about that album. Fuck. Um. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's definitely like it's uh, it's a it's a different album. You know, it's it's, it's odd. Yeah. It is. It's it, like the the imagery um, on there. It's 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 different. It's like almost like psychedelic at times. Um, mm-hmm. And. I, it made for a very interesting listen. I don't know if I'll return to the whole album. I have like my my favorite songs on it, and we'll, we can talk about those here in a sec. But mm-hmm. um, I thought it was definitely like interesting to see like Madonna reinvent herself into this like electronic. Like, oh, you are just you are steaming right now. <laughs> Not, no, no, no. Oh boy, <laughs> listeners, Jake's just like. Watching my facial expressions was okay. No, no I'm just, uh, I'm just being dumb. No, I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Good, uh, please finish I will... <laughs> while I fume. <laughs> uh, no, I. It was really interesting. I was too young to kind of like. To. Well, no, I guess no, because I, 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 I thought this sounds different. Um. Because like before this, she did Evita in '96, and then. The one before that was Bedtime Stories with ninety from ninety four. The, the big song that was Take a Bow, um, and so I don't know. It's just it, it was certainly a departure, and I thought yeah. it paired, I thought it paired well with what we've been what we've been listening to. Well, yeah, and you you kind of changed the rules of the show, but that's fine by putting it by. <laughs> 
you dare ask me to listen to electronic music? Um, <laughs> I, like it's 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 just I guess it's just kind of fun, but it's just so it's so C minus to me that I'm like this might as well not happen. Like, and I was trying to think like, well, would I like this? Would I like this album more if it was under an alias and she was like secretly, you know, if she like banksied herself and was like, oh, this is a different person. Is she Chris Gaines herself? <laughs> you know, like, um, I, I'll use that name for my electronic stuff. But you know, you're correct in saying like, well, she's always been kind of a dance music in whatever form it takes kind of person, right? Like, always danceable, always pop sensibilities. Um, and and I do enjoy Ray of Light and Frozen, the the big big tunes after this one, I guess. Um, and I guess Power of Goodbye later, but. These are confounding to me, which like Ray of Light, sure. That is designed by committee to be a hit. It's going to be a hit. It's Madonna. It's, you know, it's it's everything that's interesting and trendy about music right now. This is the same year that You've Come a Long Way Baby came out by Fatboy Slim. It, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on this year and it's like just a just humongous boom, um, you know, for electronic dance music crossing over into radio, uh, across the Western Hemisphere. So she's just riding this wave, and like, so Ray of Light's fun, danceable, clearly. It's programmed to be so. I like Big Macs too. Uh, th then there's like Frozen, which is like on paper, a gorgeously produced song. But like, how was it a radio hit? How was that a big hit? I remember yeah. hearing that on the radio all the time. How did that even happen? Like it takes a minute into the song for her voice to even show up, and it's just like all these—it's just all strings and her being weird. How did I end up on the radio? It's weird to me. Frozen is a is such an interesting song. Like the video is like, I remember the video was like black and white, and she had like a like a like a black wig on, and she was wearing this big back like this big like black gown, and I don't know. You are right that like, and, and I never really thought of it like that, but that's it's 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 very like dark. Like almost, it's a very odd, like not an odd song, but but you're like, how did this? How is this like a a single on this record? Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's not like a pop hit. Like the new the hit single from Madonna. Like, like wait, 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 what? <laughs> it's very melancholy and, and odd, and like you know, I can't dance to this. Like I can't dance this at a wedding. What's going on? Um, you only see what your eyes want to see. Oh. <laughs> just think it's um, uh, and again, I don't. I'm gonna sound like a dick here, and I'm gonna sound uh, like jaded or like like at a certain point we need to protect culture from other. Oh boy, this is good. Well, you know how like um, like uh, when was the last time you watched Back to the Future? Uh, just like Batman, too long ago. Well, I think I think we even referenced it last week. Like, do you remember, like, at the end when when Michael J. Fox is playing rock and roll guitar on the stage, and and homeboy, homeboy makes the phone call. It's me, your cousin Marvin Barry Chuck. I've got that new sound you're looking for. Listen to this, which is which is kind of it's a joke, of course, um, and I'm sure not meant to be horrifically racist, but it's implying that a 17 year old white kid invented rock and roll, um, which. I'm not gonna tell a 17-year-old white kid he can't play rock and roll. And I'm not gonna tell Madonna she can't put out an electronic dance music album. But there are certain steps you're skipping here. Um, it's like, 
in the this album doesn't really doesn't sound like it is um it doesn't sound like it's respecting its elders okay it doesn't it's not looking back at what came before it and then trying to figure out what the next step would be it's just here's what's going on right now I, I like that I'm gonna be part of it here I go I'm doing it right now so so the the feeling of like the album was just chasing a current trend that's what turned you off it feels trendy yeah so like if she if, if madonna would have like done like like a gradual like progression into the electronic world would that have felt a little bit more natural or would, would do you think that would like change your opinions on this one well apparently she kept going with it because music came out and i remember music she was like trying uh another swing for that world i guess maybe it would help if like um i don't know brought, brought more writers on it's just william orbit the whole time and something tells me he had a bunch of loops and tracks and she just picked and choose uh, i'll buy these ones and then they record her and record her over them or whatever god knows who's running these things i imagine she is but it's like they're not really it's just not elevate it's not elevating the music as a genre it's um it's a funhouse mirror of what's going on in the world of electronic music and you know i don't i don't resent it i guess i'm ripping it apart to shreds right now but and, and i don't hate it because i like frozen no denying um i do like uh ray of light it's a fun song and uh um power of goodbye is you know objectively a good tune we're get we'll get to it yeah but I have to ask myself, and this is, and I'm going to, I'm going to have to stop the show for a second for my favorite segment, which is everyone all together. What was Radiohead doing at the time? <laughs> I was actually going to ask you. So like, so with the, like the, you know, abrupt change in sound, I was thinking of Radiohead um and uh because i know they did the bends right uh they, they did that was their first album they i think or no, pablo no, honey pablo honey um, um okay uh, spoiler alert in 1997 a year before this one they put out okay computer um and then uh um after this after madonna's ray of light came out they put out kid a in 2000 um and like that's how you do it man kid a is taking the electronic sounds that are perhaps trendy and perhaps popular at the time stripping them down and rebuilding them back up and and at the same time rebuilding your band and music around it and like what a perfect example of how to take something a sound that is trendy that you appreciate and want to get into and not being satisfied to just copy it and chameleon it, or, or sorry, to uh, copy it and like mirror it, but to transcend and elevate and like make it make it your own thing, but also uh, while elevating yourself and your art form, elevating the whole genre completely with your influence. So what was the, cause I'm hit a didn't, that's more, I'm sorry. Okay. Computer. That's more of an electronic, based album right 
Like there's some interesting production techniques working on uh, at work there, but it's still pretty much a rock album. Kid A is the very much electronic one with everything in its right place, which was referenced earlier. So okay, so tech and all that. It's like my favorite album all time. (laughs) So that's so that that's kind of like it. It seemed like a little bit more genuine. Like it seemed like they were kind of like. And I guess genuine might not be the right word, but like it just seemed a little bit more, I guess, like natural and believable for you or. See, I don't know. I don't want to be cynical. And, I, and because I don't know, the, I don't know the condition of Madonna's heart when she made this album. And just as I don't know the condition of Tom York's heart when he was putting together Kid A and stuff like, uh, but it just, it seems to me that, well, as we're, you know, approaching the middle of 2021 one of these albums has a decidedly more lasting effect than the other and it's just a better example of um instead of appropriating elevating um i'm gonna sound like a fucking asshole on this um no it's just it's an honest music critique it's what the whole show is supposed to be about yeah okay well okay well okay those are my thoughts but um it's a it does something something here feels dishonest to me yeah Yeah. and uh and in stark opposition to like the deep honesty of today like um and and i don't want to be pretentious and i don't want to like be so guarded of this sound because hey if anyone's got a good idea you should just do it um something about the melodrama the something about the self-importance i guess i would say the hubris of madonna just bleeds through every song to me and while there are some objectively dope tunes on here i don't think it's you know a step forward for her as an artist i don't think it's it's certainly uh two steps back for the genre like if you have a that platform where you can reach millions and billions of people because of your stature like Madonna and you want to introduce them to this sound, well, good for you. But maybe while you're doing that, um, strip it down, strip it back a bit, try different producers um, you know, on the same album or, or whatever, like have a, a, uh, an idea, a vision. Her vocals are inherently higher in the mix than they would be if this was an underground electronic album. The songs are shorter they're a little they're saccharine they're 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 you know they're fake sugar it's i can barely hear the songs they're so unmiraculous like there's just like there's a couple tons couple tons that pop there are two or three there's well, literally three we've already established them <laughs> <laughs> um and then like i brought up the album title i haven't heard the album m m d n a as an example of her not getting it. Like MDNA, like meaning Madonna, like, but also meaning, you know, referring to MDMA, the ecstasy. Now, I'm very aware that we just talked about the crystal method and and all their songs like Trip Like I Do, She's My Pusher, Bad Stone. And I get that, like they're already there. They're in that Vegas club drug culture but she like just stumbled upon it and now she's um, 
using this platform to adopt certain terminology and then sell it to a wider audience, including children who are going to look up what MDNA means and then know that, I don't know, if kids are into Madonna at all, uh, what does that mean? And then therefore this lady is pushing it. She's my pusher. And I just think it's, I think it's a fine attempt, great production, but borderline irresponsible. That's, that was that was like a very, very well done critique of this album, man. <laughs> really? I think I went on too long. No, I, I don't want to. I'm going to sound like an asshole. No, I mean, because we're not we're not always going to like, you know, be down for the albums, you know, and, and I thought this one was like a really cool, like experiment to do um, just because mm-hmm. this one is is kind of like famous for its embrace of electronic music of the time. Uh, so to hear, to, to spend like a year of listening to like, you know, the foundation of, of this, of what makes this record and listening to like what, like, I would say like mainstream, um, what the mainstream product is you know something like this uh it was it was it's that was very cool to to hear your thoughts on it um it wasn't my favorite um i uh there were some songs i mean i thought swim i thought swim could work with a crystal method remix Mm. um candy perfume girl had some like some like fuzzy guitars in there that uh, were mm-hmm. reminiscent to some some stuff we've listened to before. Um, the drums on Skin kind of remind me of Pro- the Prodigy. Oh, uh, the power of Goodbye. Oh man, that's just a it's a go- gorgeous melody. It's pretty good. I can't no denying it's pretty good. Uh, it it Madge's voice just like shines on that one, and I just what'd you call her? Madge. <laughs> okay. I I <laughs> I probably you know I well I certain I I know that you, as you know spending you know twenty plus years you know you know listening and you know, talking and playing electronic music. I know that your feelings about the genre are a lot more profound, you know, you know, so, I mean, for me, cause like, like I said, the whole reason we started this show is so that we can introduce each other to different styles of music, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I know like, because you have such a, you know, such a wealth of knowledge on this, uh, it was very interesting to hear your thoughts on what worked and what didn't work for you um and you know and i really i really appreciated hearing it um thanks man and i hope i didn't sound like a you know dismissive record store owner <laughs> you're you're gonna buy that record like i uh, no, and you know because i'm absolutely not not that guy and hey like what you like and enjoy it and I hope I've been clear. I, I do like a few tunes on this album. I just think the uh, I can't ignore the 
implications of this album. And and now I'm back to sound like a dick. Well, I think that's I think that that could ra- wrap up our discussion of rail. I think that may have been our most. Like, like, I've been going. I'm dizzy. Ellie sm- smoking his post discussion sig, you know. Uh, but, ah, baby, <laughs> you rocked you rocked my world. Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking for next week. Um, okay, what were you thinking for next week, man, or next episode? We should say. Well, uh, so we're, we're recording this on May 11th. Um, so yeah. uh, school's getting ready to let out. Uh huh. So I was thinking, <sighs> of, thinking of doing like a fun like uh, summer an album that. An album that either came out in summer or an album that makes you f- feel like summer. Okay. Uh, and I have one. I'm going back to my roots on this one. Uh-oh. Uh, it's an album that I listen to. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Listen to I, I, countless times over the years. It's uh, one of two albums that I learned how to play guitar from. Um, wow. And we can talk more about that on the episode, but uh, it this one means the world to me. It's a super quick listen. Uh, you probably know some songs off of it. It is 1999's Enema of the State by Blink-182. Oh, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've wanted, I've wanted to get Blink on the podcast for for months and i figured this was the best way to do it uh we've talked we've talked about it before we almost had like a whole blink special oh so excited for this one all right man this is the one famously with what's my age again adam song yeah all the small uh-huh. things uh look look for a surprise sleeper hit dysentery gary that's my favorite on the album <laughs> uh a lot, a lot of potty humor. Uh, they, they keep that intact, and it's just, oh, I'm so excited for it. The production oh, is very cool, tasty. I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for a fun fucking album. That sounds great. Hell yeah. Oh boy, I'm looking at my list, baby. Um, <laughs> what am I gonna do? You know what? Whatever, I'm gonna do it. Um, so a couple months later in '98, uh, a band put out a record called How to Operate with a Blown Mind. Um, these guys are on uh, Skint Records, which they, which they share the label with uh, Fatboy Slim. And this is another uh, band that often gets slumped into the big beat genre. Their name is Low Fidelity All-Stars. Low Fidelity All-Stars. You've never heard of them, but you actually have heard them. Well, where I would I have heard you. them? Where, where would we have heard them? You've heard a song called Battle Flag. I know this. Oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of what, what Fatboy Slim is doing with, we could talk about this more, but with You've Come a Long Way, Baby. Yep. Which I guess came out in 98, right? Yep. Same year. Ooh, I'm excited for that one. It's a good one. Uh yeah. Like my two low fidelity all stars. Um, right. I'm very excited to talk about. I've, I've like I said, I've been wanting to do to do Blink for a long time, and the album's it's like 35 minutes. So. Is it 35 minutes? Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, all right, man. You know what? This is one of our best episodes yet. I think We've so. Been I, for a long time. 
I think this what? one was a fatality. Wow. Well, you know, I guess there's nothing left to try. There's no more places to hide. Uh, and there's really no greater power than uh, the power of goodbye, Jake. <laughs> That's a freaking good song. It is good. <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from it. Uh, well, thank you for listening to yes. another episode of Sip Mimos. Subscribe, uh, share. If you, if you haven't already, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Sip Mimos Pod. Uh, we're, also, we're also on Instagram. Sip Mimos Pod on Instagram, right? Uh, yes. Okay, fine. Um, if you uh, follow us on Apple, leave us a comment. Tell us what albums or artists we should check out. We're always up to yes. listening to. It's like the whole basis of the show is broadening our musical horizons and listening to new things. So don't hesitate. And uh, yeah, leave, leave questions. Cause I think we want to do like a question episode where we just answer stuff and, and like answer questions or whatever. And so and email us at sip and memos pod at Gmail. I think it is, or just leave comments and stuff. It boosts <laughs> our thing. And with that, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sip and memos. I've been Elliot and I'm Jake. We'll see you next time. Stay sipping. Stay sipping.